wanted to take this privilege of, uh, of thanking you. The last uh, three Sundays, we've been blessed uh, to hear from speakers. I've never done this before, and I don't know why I haven't, uh, but to, sh- to share with the... Uh, I'll stand up in a minute. I, I was kind of hiding behind that, wasn't I? Yeah. From the speakers of Kent, Brian Connard, uh, three weeks ago, and then Mr. Mr. Jim uh, Arnold and Jim and Denise are taking off. They've been here all morning. And uh, then last Sunday with uh, Matt Zawada. Uh, and and I, I, was, I wanted you to be able to hear and to meet and get to know a little bit of the, of the men that we're going to be sharing with our kids at camp. And, uh, and I wanted them to get to meet you. And I know it was a blessing. I've heard from, from the, the speakers that, that were here, how much they appreciated that. Uh, and and I, I, just, I, I was sitting last Sunday and I told Barbie as I listened to Matt, in, in 30-something years of pastoring, I, I had never heard a more practical Christian message than Matt delivered last Sunday morning. It was, it was, it was spot on. And I, and I appreciate the opportunity of doing that. You weren't without a pastor all this month. I was still pastoring, but I uh, just wanted to, to share uh, what, these, what God was saying through these men with you. And it's, it's been a month of recuperating uh, with this. Now, a lot of you have had a lot more severe knee surgery. <clears throat> I'm singing this song, I Have Knees That Dingle Dangle Jingle. Um, and uh, uh, so the, the, the knee is kind of getting there. It, it, it's spasmodic. It does what it wants to do. At times, it wants to do. But in the process of that, I, I messed my back up, and so... Sometimes the, my uh, sciatica, I didn't know what that was, but sciatica, I guess, kicks in. That just makes your leg want to, you want to cut it off and do something with it if you could. And you can't get comfortable. I stood first service. I'm sitting now. I'll probably be up and down. But, um, uh, but this kind of been a month of that. And then the first, on, on July the 1st, that was a Saturday, Barbie, my wife's knee, uh, just, it, it went completely crazy. She, it just, she was emptying the dishwasher at the house and something happened and I came in and she, she was in the dining room, couldn't move and uh, she couldn't get up, couldn't get down, she couldn't do anything. So, uh, so it's been a month to recover and she, Barbie told me the other day, she said, we're kind of a matched pair. She said, uh, you, you limp on the left and I limp on the right and we just kind of lean together in the middle. Uh, so thank you for your patience and, and for your understanding. It, it bothers me that when we have greeting time that I'm not able to get back at the back over here like I want to. Please know I hadn't got snobbish and just all of a sudden high-handed and too good to get back there or to get back there. Uh, a lot of Sunday mornings I'm sitting up here, matter of fact, a couple of Sundays a month of July, I was in the little greeting room back there laying on the floor and uh, Ben Newell was, uh, was doing therapy on me. Uh, and it was, it was true. And I tell you what, when you can come to church and hear a good message and get worked on physically at the same time, <laughs> You know you're in the right church. So uh, uh, Ben's not there this morning, but, uh, but uh, it, it does bother me. And Lord willing, I'll, I'll be able to, to get back and, and be able to get around and do all that I, I want to. I miss you when I'm not able. But know that it's not because I'm too good to shake hands with you or don't think I need to. He just probably say, well, he's either got bad breath or his back's hurting him again or something. <laughs> uh, so, so. That's enough of that. We're, joined, we're back in the book of Matthew. We're kind of making our way through Matthew. We've been doing that. And all, I had never preached through this, this book before. So I'm enjoying it. We, we just finished chapter 10. And uh, the last time I was with you. And chapter, as we finished chapter 10, Jesus is just finishing 
uh, giving instructions to his disciples as he sends them out two by two to share the gospel, to take the gospel to the nation of Israel. And he gives them some, not only them, but the instructions that he gives them, uh, I believe also are, 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 are good instructions for you and me as we take the gospel. Uh, so he's just finished with that. And as we begin chapter 11 this morning, it, it's kind of a, a natural transition because up until this time in the ministry of Jesus, it's been a, a, a confirmation that he is the Messiah. He's doing many, many miracles to say to the nation of Israel, I am the one that you've been looking for. And, and uh, people, a lot of miracles are being performed and people are hearing and, and responding to the message. As we enter chapter 11, by this time in, 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 the, in the ministry, the opposition, the resistance to Christ and the resistance to the gospel that has been there, but it's kind of been undercurrent. Uh, as, we, as we move into chapter 11 and 12, we're going to see that it kind of, it kind of springs forth in, in an open persecution. As a matter of fact, as we begin chapter 11, we're going to see that, it, that John the Baptist now is, is, has been arrested and he is in, in jail. Uh, Herod has, has thrown him in jail. And that's where we're going to pick up with this. Let me pray and then let's start. Father, we thank you this morning for loving us. We thank you that your word is true altogether. And Lord, that is, that is, is, is very practical, is very timely. Lord, that it was true then, but the truths are eternal and the truths of your word are for us now. And they're for, they're for us today, Lord, to, to base our lives upon. And Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit, Lord, would come and would be our teacher, would be the teacher, would be the instructor, and that you would take your truths, Lord, as we, as we hear them, as they go through our mind and process them into our very innermost being of our soul and spirit, Lord, that we would not only know more, but that we would be more the men and women that you intend for us to be. In Christ, I pray. Amen. We're going to kind of take a look. Lord willing, we're going to go through verse 19 this morning of chapter 11. And it's, it's, and it's came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding the 12, the given instructions, that he left to preach in their cities. Verse 2, now when John had heard in prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and he said to them, they went to ask Jesus, are you the one that should come or are we looking for somebody else? And Jesus answered and said to them, Go and show John again those things which you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. Their dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. Now, the message this morning is when God doesn't fit in your box. When God doesn't fit in your box. John has, John uh, proclaimed that Jesus was the Messiah as he saw Jesus coming to him. And John baptized Jesus in the Jordan there. You remember that. And very, very adamantly and powerfully uh, said this was the one that was coming. But now there's, there's something about those experiences that shake us to our very core and cause us to reevaluate our faith sometimes. I shared first service, young man, Paul Timmer. Some of you will remember Paul. Paul was 21 years old. He was a black belt karateist. He was an awesome young man. Loved the Lord passionately with all his heart. And for some reason, God allowed Paul to, to be afflicted with cancer. 
Paul's dreams had been that he, would, uh, that he would go into high schools, he would go into Christian schools, he would go into universities and do a karate demonstration and then share the gospel. That was his ambition. Uh, he was laying in the hospital bed one day and uh, it had been a hard week and I looked at Paul and I said, Paul, let me ask you a question. I said, what, what you're going through? I said, what, what does this do to your faith? What does this do to your faith? I know... I believe Jesus is able to heal you, but here you are. What does it do to your faith? And he looked at me and he said something to the effect of jury, of, of faith that not, that's not worth dying for is really a faith that's not worth living for. I thought, wow, at 21 years old, well, all of a sudden, John finds himself in jail and sometimes those circumstances we find ourselves in cause us to stop and say, do I still really believe what I've said I believe? You may be here this morning and you may be going through some circumstances that maybe nobody else knows about, maybe a few people know about, maybe just you and God knows about. And maybe you're at a place, almost as Candy was saying, and you're saying, where is God? Is, 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 did I miss it? Have I, have I been believing something that's not true or, or where is he? Well, John sends these two disciples to Jesus with this question, are you really him? And Jesus responds, and, and responding to, to John's disciples, Jesus is going to the book of Isaiah almost exclusively and reminding them of the prophet's prediction or prophecy of what the Messiah would do. I want you to, as we look at some of these scriptures in Isaiah, I want you to be very careful. Look at them carefully. And there's a reason for that. Let's, let's go to Isaiah 35, start with. Strength, strengthen you the weak hands and confirm the feeble knees. Say to them that are of a fearful heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, even God with a recompense. He will come and save you. This is the prophets predicting the, the Messiah's coming. Then when the Messiah comes, the eyes of the blind shall be opened. The ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap as a deer, and the tongue of the dumb will sing. For in the wilderness shall waters break out and streams in the desert. Let's go to Isaiah 42. Thus says God the Lord, he that created the heavens and stretched them out, he that spread forth the earth and that which comes out of it, he that gives breath unto the people upon it and spirit to them that walk therein. I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness and will hold your hand and will keep you and will give you thee for a covenant of the people, for a light of the Gentiles, to open the blind eyes, to bring out the prisoners from the prison, and them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. Go and let's uh, end up here in Isaiah 61. And this is, remember this very familiar because when Jesus began his earthly ministry, he turned to this scroll in the synagogue and this is where he read from that, son, that Sabbath. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. 
Now, Jesus tells John's disciples, basically, go back and tell John what you've seen and heard. The blind eyes are open. The, the uh, deaf ears hear. The tongues that couldn't speak now are speaking. The, the, those that couldn't walk are walking. And even the dead are raised to life. And the poor hear the gospel preached to them. These are the works that Jesus was saying that only the Messiah could do. And he said, and I'm doing them. But did you notice what Jesus, I told you to look at those verses carefully as we read them. Did you notice what he didn't say? Well, I, I, I'm, not jump, I'm not being too critical of you because I had to read it two or three times. Isaiah two times says that part of the work of the Messiah will be that he would set the prisoner free. He would open the prisons. He would set the captives free. And John was in prison. Now, maybe we see a little bit, I'm thinking that John may be thinking, uh, hey, you know, I, okay, I hear this and I know you're doing all those things on the Messiah, but, but, but just don't forget that other part that you're supposed to be doing, you know, because when the Messiah comes and I, and I believe you're him, but just don't forget, you're supposed to be setting the captives free. And just a, just a note here, God has his plan and his, his timetable. There's scripture in Isaiah 55 that says, God's ways are not our ways, says the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are God's ways higher than our ways and his thoughts than our thoughts. God has his plan. God has his timetable. And oftentimes, it's different from mine. How about you? I can tell by the laughs. Yeah, sometimes it's so different than ours. Now, God's plan for the Messiah was for the redemption of mankind. And to accomplish that plan, Jesus Christ would have to come and suffer and die. And so would John and many others also have to suffer rejection along with Christ. Jesus' answer to John's disciples was really, really simply a way of saying, John, I am the Messiah. You need to trust me on this. Wow. And evidently that was enough for John. There's a song that used to, I think it's a song. I remember part of it in a a book that I've passed out called Trust in the Heart of God about a young pastor whose wife had two kids and his wife developed malignant brain tumor and their journey through that and during that process and she would eventually go home to be with the Lord as a result of that and there's a there's a chapter in there I think it's the seventh chapter in that book called diamonds in the darkness but part of that and part of the song is when you don't understand when you can't see his hand you trust his heart you trust his heart. Folks, I'm not telling you something that you don't know. I mean, maybe if you're real young, you it might say, boy, I can't, the pastor said that, I didn't realize it. But most of us, if you're here and, and you've lived a few years, you know that we're going to encounter, we're going to be faced with things that we don't understand. They're going to be faced with things, even as believers, that we, we say, God, why is this happening to me now? Why are you allowing this to happen to me now? So John was kind of, 
to that place. And I believe John got to, with the answer that John received, that John was, was able to process and say, you know what? I don't understand, but I do know I do trust him. And so if, if it's part of God's plan that I be here in jail and he would, he would eventually uh, be executed in jail, that John said, you know what? If that's, if that's part of your plan for me, then okay, then okay. I can accept that if, as long as I know that's where you've got me. Now, as soon as John's disciples leave, Jesus, and by the way, look at this. Jesus is gonna use scripture. He uses Isaiah to just to comfort John and to confirm to John that he is the Messiah. And as, and as John's disciples leave, I can imagine verse, verse, verse seven says, and as they departed, the disciples left, Jesus began to say unto the, to the people concerning John. Because I, you know, I can imagine there are people sitting there that they listen to Jesus preach and here comes John's disciples. They know they're John's disciples. They've seen them around and, and they ask Jesus, hey, John wants to know, are you really the one he's been looking for? People probably mean well <laughs> most of the time. Let's give them benefit of that. Most of the time they probably mean well. Sometimes they probably don't. They just mean an army, you know. But I can imagine these people saying, can you believe John sending his disciples to ask him that? We thought, John, where's his faith? It's easy to look at somebody and ask them where their faith is when they're sitting in jail and you're sitting outside free, right? When people aren't going through the, when, when they're, you know, you know we, we tend to do this, but when their family's all healthy, wealthy, and wise, and everybody's perfect, and there's no problems, and you don't see anything except what the, the, through a small, very small prism, it's easy knowing all our problems and all our circumstances sometimes to look and be critical of others. And I think there might have been those there that day that were kind of about to be critical of John. So Jesus addresses this to them, picking up, starting with verse seven. He said, what, what did you go out in the wilderness to see? A, a, a reed shaking in the wind? What did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? People who wear clothes like that, he said, sit in king's houses. Now, John had the reputation of wearing a, what was it, a camel hair coat and a big leather belt. And it reminded me of like one of the Old Testament prophets. And he is, what he eat? Locusts and wild honey. Is that what a lot of his diet was? You know, I mean, it wasn't prime rib and baked potatoes. Uh, it was, it was kind of the, nothing against that. It's about food time. I got to quit going to go there. <laughs> but, it, but Jesus just said, who did you go out to look when you went to go, when you went to see John? And remember, John's popularity, people, multitudes had came to John. And John's message was a message of repentance and getting ready for the Messiah because he was coming. And then this message was, he's here. The kingdom of God is here. Receive him. Now, John's in prison. Jesus has, has confirmed now that he was a Messiah and that John's faith is right on. And, and now he said to the people, what did you go out to see? Verse 9, he said, but what did you go out to look for? A prophet? Yes. And this way he says, and more than a prophet. Verse 10, for John is of whom it's written. And now Jesus is going to go to the book of Malachi, chapter 3, verse 1. We're not going to go there. Malachi 3, verse 1, and Malachi chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. Jesus is, is going to, to the old prophets, again, to the Old Testament prophets, and he is using scripture to commend John to the people that, yes, John was indeed the one that the prophet said would come before the Messiah would show up. He says, um, 
This is whom is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. Verily I say unto you, Jesus says, Among those that are born of women, there is not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Notwithstanding, he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John. You feel like saying, you feel like reading that and said, you're talking in riddles. I don't understand. Taylor is three years old and she's a jabber. She takes after, well, I'm just saying, she likes to talk a lot. <laughs> and, uh, and she'll jabber, jabber, jabber. And sometimes if, Malachi, if Zane's with me, I'll say, Zane, what did your sister say? And Zane understands the language. He speaks it. He's the interpreter. So I know this of the Lord, so if she speaks in tongues, because Zane's interpreting it. Uh, and he'll, he'll tell me what she says. But here Jesus is saying, John the Baptist, if you'll if you, if you receive it, John the Baptist, there's not, a greater, there's not a greater prophet ever been. Now, they could have looked back to Isaiah. They could have looked to Moses. They could have looked to Micah. They could have looked to Jeremiah. And a lot of these, these, a lot of these people would have been familiar with their writings and with the teachings about these powerful, awesome prophets. And John said, and Jesus said, John was greater. But I'm going to tell you, the least in the kingdom of God is even, more, is even greater than John. And you're like, shaking your head and saying, what do you mean? Could Jesus, could Jesus have been meaning that, that those that he had just, that his disciples that he had just sent out on, on mission? Or he's saying, are, are the least of us? We have a great, maybe we have a greater opportunity with the gospel to share the gospel than John had. He goes on. He says, and from the days of John the Baptist, Jesus is saying, until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John, and if you will receive it, John is the last that was to come. He that has ears to hear, let him hear. Jesus was basically saying and affirming as he was affirming John to him. And he was, he, was, he was saying to him, hey, up until now, up until now, the preaching and John's preaching, now it comes and they're wicked men. Is, there's opposition and that opposition now is mounting. John was in prison. Soon they will execute John. Soon Jesus will be crucified. And that, that the, the opposition is increasing there. As the, as the kingdom advances, as God's kingdom advances, today, uh, this afternoon, if you get a chance to talk to some of the men and women, and, uh, and they've been in these countries that are very difficult to share the gospel, and, uh, and countries that are very dangerous to share the gospel, and, the, and, and you will understand that there are violent attacks against Christians, and those attacks increase, but sometimes it's in the very attacks it sometimes in the most difficult circumstances that the gospel message the gospel light the light of the gospel shines more shines more clearly that's what jesus was saying so jesus answer to john using the old testament was yes john i'm him jesus answer to the people was yes john was the one that was to come now in verse 16 Jesus turns and addresses, uh, talks about the people as a whole that's, 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 that's there, that's around. He talks, he sends back confirmation to John. He talks to people about John to reaffirm and to let them know that John's faith was right on target. He doesn't, he doesn't fuss John out. He doesn't, he doesn't scold John. Go back. He didn't say to his disciples, go back and tell John, I can't believe that he's needing to know who I am. 
Candy says, don't listen to the enemy when he whispers into your ear lies. Jesus is plenty big enough and it never bothers him when we cry out to him in faith and say, Jesus, are you really, are you really who I trusted you to be? Are you there? Do you hear me? Do you hear me? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Why? They'll be filled. They'll be filled. But in verse 16, it's interesting. Jesus used scripture now for John. Jesus used scripture to, to commend John to these people. But in verse 16, Jesus says, But whereunto shall I liken this generation? It's like unto children sitting in the markets and calling unto the fellows. Jesus is turning now, and he is going to use a, uh, like a children's, like a nursery rhyme to, to really to condemn this generation that John came to, that, that the Messiah is with for their lack of unbelief and for their rejection. He says, what it's like? It's like the children sitting in the marketplace and we say to you, we, we, we played you a tune and you don't dance. We've popped unto you, not danced. We have mourned unto you and you have not lamented. For John came neither eating nor drinking and you said he's a, he has a devil. The son of man came eating and drinking and you say he's a glutton and a rhyme Friend of sinners. You see, you see the problem? John didn't fit into their box. Jesus didn't fit into their box. And like children, these, the people wanted things to go their way. And Jesus and John wasn't playing their game. If John was the one who was to come before the Messiah... And if Jesus was the Messiah that John introduced, then the people should have been rejoicing. They should have been dancing because the one that they had been looking for for hundreds of years had finally come on the scene and he was there to give them liberty. He was there to give them forgiveness. He was there to do, offer them all the gifts of God that he had promised in the Messiah. Should have been dancing in celebration. But John didn't dance and John didn't celebrate. So they said John had a, was possessed of a devil. Jesus came, and they're thinking when the Messiah came, the Messiah was going to look and see that they were an oppressed people. The Romans were occupying, and they were, they were controlling them with an iron fist. And surely when the Messiah came, they thought he would see how, how much they were suffering. He would boot the Romans back where they belonged to be, and he would set them free. He would identify with them in their oppression and their persecution, and he would identify with them. But instead, Jesus came eating with publicans and sinners, and they call him a glutton and a wine-bibber. You, you, see, you see what's happening? They, there, was no, there was no way. Jesus, and Jesus was saying this, this last little statement, but wisdom is justified of her children. Basically, it's what he's saying is you'll know truth by the fruit. John didn't fit your mold. I'm not fit your mold. So what are you going to do? If you'd understood John, you would have accepted Jesus. Where do we go with this? Today, I believe, I see us all the time. And if I'm not careful, I can be there. We want to put 
Jesus and his message and how he's going to do things. We want to put him into our mindset, into our mold, into our box. And when he doesn't fit and when the pieces don't fit together like we think there should, what do we do? What do you do? We can, we, can, we can let doubt and a lack of understanding lock us into a, a prison of unbelief. Or we can trust him and trust his word and let his peace free us to new life. When Jesus doesn't fit into your box, what are you going to do? He's not a genie in a bottle. Jesus is not there to give us three wishes just the way we want them. Since first service, I've said that. I've heard two different stories about genies and bottles, and I don't think I can tell either one of them. One of them was about a redneck, and that was pretty cool. And the other had something to do with a mother-in-law, and I don't want to go there with that. I was blessed with that. But I read this, and I was reading, that, reading this this week, and I was reading it over and over. And the more I read this, the more there's, there's one final scene from The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe that, that came to my mind. And I, t- and I told Craig about it this week. And it's a scene at, at the end of that, the first movie, the end of it. When Aslan, the lion that was, that's uh, symbolic of Christ, is walking down the beach. And what's the little girl's name? Is that Lucy? Is that Lucy? Watch, watch this. Don't worry. We'll see him again. When? In time. One day he'll be here, and the next he won't. But you mustn't press him. After all, he's not a tame lion. Mm. No. But he is good. Yeah. You need it more than I do. Don't press it. He's not a tame lion. He's not a genie in a bottle that jumps when we demand or at our commands. But he is good. All the time, Anise. And I, I love what Jeff said from Psalm 116.1. 106. One. We praise him and we worship him. Not because he does everything we want him to do, but because he's worthy of that. He's God. Uh, 
news flash. Tough times are going to come into all our lives. Christian and non-Christian. Okay? The good part, I, as, a, as a believer, is that with, with the Holy Spirit living in your heart, he's promised that he will never leave us nor forsake us. So he's going through those tough times with us. But tough times are going to come into our lives. Sometimes, well, I'm not going to go there. We're going to all experience those. But we praise him and worship him because of who he is. Now, this morning, if you're here as a Christian and you kind of feel like John must have felt. I'm going to try this one more time. You kind of feel like John must have felt in the jail when you see Jesus doing all these other things in people, other people's lives. And you want to remind him that, that here you are. You know, you want to say, hey, that's awesome. I'm glad, you, I'm glad you did this over here at camp this week. I'm glad you've done that over here for, for Mike. It's awesome what you've done. You know, that's awesome. But don't forget the prisoners that are in prison. Don't forget me and where I am right here. You may be here this morning and maybe God's just sitting to saying to you, when you can't understand, when you can't figure all this out, remember what he said. He just sent the confirmation back to John. I'm, I'm him. Trust me. Scripture says, the just shall live by faith. And the scripture says in another place, for we walk by faith and not by sight. All of us want to walk. We want to see where we're walking. I understand that. You better turn the light on going through the house at night. I've, just, I've learned that. There's enough broken toes. There's enough things that happen that you, you, need to, you need to see where you're going. God understands that, but that's why I believe he tells us that his word is a lamp unto our feet and a light into our path. So we walk by faith in the word of God and we trust him. But know this, if you're weary and if there's been times that you say, I just don't know, God's not gonna, he's not gonna condemn you. He's not gonna scold you. He's not gonna embarrass you. He wants you to trust him and he's gonna speak words of truth in your life. You may be here this morning, you may be going through one of the most hardest experiences of, of, that you've ever went through in your life or that you're going, and you, and you don't know if you're going to go through it or if you're just in it and it's going to be the, the death of you. You don't know. And you may be trying to, to figure this out and go through this alone. If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, the best, I have the best news I could tell you is I, I don't know about your experience, but I know about Him. And I know that he wants to be near you. He wants to be, he wants this relationship with you. And, he, and he, the, he, he wants that so much that God wants that so much that Jesus died on the cross so we could experience that relationship. He was willing to give his life all the suffering. We're going we're to share in communion just in a moment. All the suffering, all the agony, all the, all the rejection of man. He endured that. He didn't have to. He didn't have to go through that. He had not sinned. He wasn't paying for his sins. But in order to procure my forgiveness and your forgiveness and my freedom and your freedom, he willingly went through that. And if you're here this morning and you've never asked him to come into your heart and life, the best news in the world awaits you because he's waiting 
and longing to come in and to have that fellowship and that relationship with you. Let's pray. Lord, a lot of times we try to, I know, as, as a, even as a Christian, I, I have my preconceived idea of how you're going to work and how you're going to do things and when you're going to do them. I learned a long time ago, you very seldom do them like I think you're going to. But I've learned a long time ago to not get too hung up on the way that I think you're going to act and just let you be Lord because as a film said about Aslan, you're not a, a tame line. You're the line of, line of the tribe of Judah. You're God. You're Jesus Christ. And you will do what you will do in a way that needs to be done for you to get glory. And for John in prison, who would never set foot out of prison again as a human being, I believe he reveled in, and walked in that freedom knowing that his faith was anchored and grounded in you. Lord, may we too this morning realize no matter what we're going through here, that no matter how tough it is as a Christian, that we can trust you. And when we don't understand, and that'll be probably most of the time, we can trust you. And we walk by that, that faith and we walk by that trust in your word and in you who you are because we know your heart and we know you're good. So Father, encourage and strengthen those who are very, very weak this morning and who are hurting. Father, it's most likely there's, there's those here that are also weak and hurting, that aren't a believer. Or, or maybe, they've, maybe they've just been trying to, to get it right and, and in their own minds trying to get good enough to kind of get into your family. Lord, they'll never get good enough. Help them open their eyes this morning and let them see that you love them. And that you want, and the best thing that could happen is, is for them to know that you've accepted them, that you've forgiven their sins. And that you want that relationship with them. That you will send your Holy Spirit to abide in their hearts. And Lord, let them receive you as Lord. If that's you this morning, right where you sit, why don't you just say, God, come into my heart. I've tried everything in the world and I'm, I'm still drowning and hurting here. Lord, I, I, I'm, I, I give you anything there is left. Do what you want to do in my life. I trust you. Now, Father, as we come to share in the fellowship of your crucifixion, your body and your blood, be real to us. In your name I pray.